Hi guys, welcome back to Actually Adultish, your favorite podcast ever. My name is Christina and I'm your host. I'm really excited to be talking to you again this week. And as always, just want to thank you if you have been supporting the podcast so far. Thank you if you have subscribed, if you have left a rating and a review on iTunes and Stitcher. It's so helpful and really helps to get the word out about this podcast, which means the world to me. And if you haven't already and you like the show, please, please, please leave a review. I really, really appreciate it. And if you've been liking the show so far and you want to support the show, there are a few ways you can. The first way is you can just do your regular Amazon shopping, but shop through the link that's in the show notes in the blog post connected to this episode. If you go to actuallyadultish.com and listen on there. There are links to shop on Amazon, and basically how it works is you just do your regular shopping, but you go through that link, and then a small amount goes to the show and the production costs and helps support me so that I can keep putting free content out there each week. Also, you can become a patron of the show. I talked about this a little bit last time, but we have a Patreon account. If you don't know what Patreon is, it's a way for people to support creatives who put free content out there for the world like podcasters. So basically you can go to patreon.com slash actually adultish, which will also be in the show notes, and you can become a patron and pledge a certain amount of money each month to support the show so it can be a dollar a month it could be two dollars it can be three dollars any amount helps so if you want to become a patron of the show i would really really appreciate it and you can get all the info there i also want to tell you about one of my favorite products that i talk about all the time on instagram if you follow me on instagram my handles at addicted to lovely and You guys know how picky I am about products and ingredients. I'm really, really picky. And something that most people don't know that I wish they did is that most olive oil in the U.S., unfortunately, is not real olive oil. It's oftentimes cut with vegetable oils and other just inflammatory oils, so it's not pure olive oil. So you kind of can't trust a lot of what's at the store. You definitely can't trust what's at a restaurant unless it's a super high quality restaurant. But most places in this nation, sadly, are not going to be using the best olive oil. And the olive oil I always use is Cassandrino. So I'm sure you guys have seen them. I order in bulk every month and I just get bulk olive oil and that's what I use in all of my on all of my food. And I put it into containers or I buy, they have little travel sized olive oil that I bring with me everywhere. So I bring it to restaurants and I bring it traveling. And that just helps me because I have such sensitive stomach. And I am also just very health conscious and I want to make sure I'm putting high quality olive oil on my food. And Casandrinos is the brand I trust. And they, get their olive oil directly from the farm where their family farms olives in Greece. It's a family-owned company. I know the owners. They're amazing. And they, it's just a really high-quality product, and I love it. And you can taste the difference when you have real olive oil. So, yeah. It's cold-pressed, so they don't use any heat or chemicals 
when they were making the olive oil and because when you use heat or chemicals it destroys the nutrients and guys don't be afraid of olive oil healthy oils are very important they're filled with monounsaturated fats and antioxidants that can help reduce cholesterol levels in your blood and that helps lower the risk of heart disease and stroke and it can help you make some nice healthy cells in your body because cells need healthy fats so do it buy it in bulk it's easy stock up and then you can just know that the olive oil you're using is clean and great sorry but most of the stuff at the grocery store is not really olive oil. It's cut with other vegetable oils. It kills me. So if you want to order, you can go to cassandrinos.com and just order directly from their site. And if you use the code addicted to lovely, you'll get 10% off. So I highly recommend you do that. I recommend you get some travel bottles too. It's just really high quality and I love it. So that's that about Cassandrinos. I seriously love them. And switching your oils, like the oils you use in your food is one of the easiest ways to start switching to a healthier diet. So quick tip, you will notice a difference. It's all about just switching out substitutions for better ingredients. So again, you can go to cassandrinos.com and order directly from them and use the code addicted to lovely, which I'll put in the show notes. Just one big word addicted to lovely and you'll get 10% off and they're like big order I mean if you're gonna order you might as well order a few bottles so you're stocked up so that'll help you out okay today I'm really excited because I have Jason Seib coming on the podcast if you're not familiar with Jason he is the creator of the alt shift diet he wrote the paleo coach he is the co-host of alt shift podcast He's the founder and co-owner of Alt Shift Fitness and Fat Loss, which is a gym in Oregon. And he is the author of Body Beliefs, Women, Weight Loss, and Happiness, which is his most recent project. And it's actually free, which we'll talk about more in the episode. But Jason is very passionate about helping people find maximum health and fitness and he is an expert on fitness and nutrition and he has married that with his love of psychology and he focuses on helping women change their perspectives when it comes to finding a healthy sustainable path to their health goals and he's all about positive mindset and just switching that mindset which is why his work I think is so unique. He really focuses on the psychology behind how we approach health and fitness. And I heard him on Rob Wolf's The Paleo Solution podcast. If you guys don't listen to that podcast, that's another great podcast. And in that interview, Jason was saying how a lot of the women he works with are, you know, like older than most people who listen to this podcast. Well, I mean, everybody we have people of all ages listening to this podcast, but, you know, he was saying that most of his clients are women who are beyond their 30s and older, and he wishes that he could talk to a younger demographic and reach this younger demographic because it, it's hard to reach people who are in their early 20s or before that in high school, in middle school, in college, 
it's hard it's hard to reach us and people who are older than us have a lot more life experience and wisdom and I think just realizations about what's important in life and how to approach things and it's that's part of why I started this podcast to begin with because you know I, I want us to open up this conversation and we have so much to learn from different generations anyways when I heard him say on the podcast that he wishes he could find a way to tap into that younger demographic and get to them before sort of the damage is done and before you reach a point where you think I wish I had known this in my 20s I I reached out to him after I heard that and I was like you need to come on my podcast please because I want my listeners to hear what you have to say because he's just so knowledgeable and really inspiring and has a lot to share so that being said I'm really excited to talk to Jason and I think you guys are really gonna like this episode so let's just hop into it hi Jason how are you fantastic how are you I'm doing well I'm so excited to talk to you um, as I told you, I heard you on Rob Wolf's podcast and you made a comment about how you sort of wished that you could reach a younger demographic with one, some of the things you're trying to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and my demographic, I think, is what you're looking for. So I wanted to have you on here. But for people who m- might not be familiar with you, why don't you tell my audience a little bit about yourself and what you do? Okay, well, um, anymore, I am mostly just an author and speaker and coach through um, mostly online and at a distance these days. I spent a lot of years as an owner of a small gym and a trainer working with fat loss clients, and um, that sort of led to, um, I, I guess, this level of frustration that was showing me that my uh, my job had very little to do with bodies. So I started really delving into the psychology of the whole fat loss world, especially working with women. And um, that led me to um, Body Beliefs, my most recent book, and and all of the, the goodness that's in there that t- talks about why people fail and specifically why women fail and why they um, – you know the, some of the things that they deal with, why they they overlook those things in their pursuit of of fat loss, and then just end up on this roller coaster of starting and stopping and starting and stopping. The younger crowd, the um, if you know the 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 twenty somethings, are uh, typically the the most difficult to reach. They always have been in this facet, just because it usually takes a unfortunately usually takes a woman just getting completely beaten down and. In her mid-30s or later, she uh, she finally has enough failures under her belt that she's willing to look at some of the emotional um, desperation and anxiety and all the things that have been behind this all along that that uh, weren't really glaringly obvious to her. But yeah, I would very much love to, to try to figure out how to get this message to a younger group. Yeah, so, well, what first got you into, like, fitness and, like, owning a gym and training? Oh, I don't know. Probably the fairly typical route. I was never really a gym rat. I guess I was more of a of a geek. But you know, I 
I started working out when I was roughly 19, loved it, um, and then really started seeing that the science behind it was really cool and uh, seemed like a great way to make a living. It wasn't a way to make a, a, your, you know, a primary source of income for most people until the big box gym scene got really big. You know, we're talking uh, 20, 23, 24 years ago. And so I dabbled for a long time and then, uh, I don't know, 15 years ago, 13 years ago, something like that, decided to make it my primary source of income. But I was always looking at research and studies and before internet was the, the big deal that it is, going down to the library and looking at the microfiche and all that kind of stuff. So just a geek, I guess. Yeah. And so like at what point did you start to focus more on what was going on with women? Well, if you if you get into the fat loss world, they're the your predominant client. Men um, typically lose fat fairly easily on the whole. You know, when they apply something that works, and their motivation to do so is usually what the problem. They're just it, they're there isn't a lot of motivation. Men will typically look around the world and see that they don't have to look a specific way. You know, men can earn dates, whereas women sort of attract them traditionally. Mm -hmm. But it leads to these awful places where, you know, um, well, for the men, it's just they they aren't that motivated to make those changes because the rewards aren't high enough. Typically, very few men are in the gym going, I need to do this so that I look great. Um, You've either got guys that just really like to work out or guys that, um, that, uh, you know, are doing it for health. Or, you know, the occasional younger guy that just wants to have abs and that typically goes away with age. But, um, you know, the women feel this pressure mostly throughout their lifetime to be accepted. And, to, you know, we see this in even in infants when we see babies as uh, is, is young as two weeks old. Female babies are analyzing faces already, developing emotional intelligence, trying to read what they see on a face. Um, ba- uh, baby boys in that regard are typically disinterested. Girls hit puberty and they rank themselves by how popular they are, how many people like them. Boys are ranking themselves literally by rank. They're throwing elbows, playing sports, talking trash to each other, sometimes even fighting in order to gain rank. And they're capable of talking trash to each other on levels that the girls can't. The girls get accused of being catty in the way that they kind of try to manipulate other girls because they can't be as direct because they risk losing numbers off of that list of people that like them. So it's a very different game that the two genders are playing. And the fat loss world doesn't typically have men playing on that level in it. Men have a whole other list of problems we have plenty of other ways that we're screwed up but that's not one of them well yeah and it's so interesting and why do you think that is like is that something intrinsic in us or is this a result of society and how we're brought up i i think that it's it it, in part it's intrinsic because we even see it like rhesus macaques like monkeys Mm -hmm. the females bonding together because they're the fairer weaker of the species and they uh they need to be able to, you know, find safety in numbers. And then, you know, the knuckle-dragon, mouth-breathing males can take advantage of them and then leave them on their own to raise kids. 
And so it, you know, all of these qualities are beautiful in women that they, that they desire to be liked. Uh, they, they want to be liked so much, but, but the, the problem is, is modern society is stacked way against them, especially with things like social media, where this desire to be liked social media becomes a drug for that. And you aren't really seeing anybody else's real life you're kind of being uh shown the filtered version just like you're filtering your own version you know who doesn't who just takes one picture and then posts it everybody's taking four or five selfies and then some days you look at it and you go my eyes are puffier my hair doesn't look right and you don't even post a picture that day and but you forget when you look online that everybody else is doing that too but the the, that desire to be liked can be turned into a desire to be likable and a desire to be likable is you simply becoming something that you know is worth liking and then not checking to see if it's working, not running around to see, do these people like me? Are they fulfilling me as a human? When they tell me that I'm good enough, then I will know I'm good enough. It's just, yeah, I'm being awesome. I'm putting that out into the world and I can walk away now. How those people translate what I'm doing is not up to me. It's not my problem. It's not something I need to concern myself with. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's so interesting. And I want to talk a little bit more about the social media thing. Um, Do you see that affecting different age groups differently? Or do you think that just kind of across the board is affecting everybody? I mean, you have have daughters, right? You have younger daughters. Yeah, they're not on social media yet. My oldest is 10. And I'll I'll fight that tooth and nail. (laughs) Um, uh, but yeah, I, I think it's, I don't know. I think it's, um, it's everybody. I mean, it's everybody that is, and I don't mean everybody. I mean, every woman that is susceptible to it. Um, it, it's the, the very young that aren't being allowed on yet by their parents and the older people that maybe have not gotten into social media enough, to get hooked on what that 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 dopamine drug that that drug that says that you know it's a random reward thing there is a ton of science and people working very hard and spending a lot of money to get you to check social media on a regular basis as a matter of fact a developer for Instagram not that long ago admitted that Instagram withholds likes in order to be able to show you them all in one big batch oh my so, god so you're checking all the time to see if what you put up is did somebody like it? Did they did they like it? Do they are they liking my stuff that I'm putting up? Am I am I cool? And then boom, you get hit with a bunch and it's this random reward thing that works exactly like the science behind gambling. And so um you know, they they know what they're doing. They know how they're they're keeping you there. But for women, it comes with social comparison. See, the thing is, is that as a man, you can show me and pretty much most men a picture of a male model with abs, and that picture is not ever going to make me think of my own abs. I'm not going to make that comparison at all. I'm not. It's I think about my butt, for example, when my glutes are sore from a workout. Other than that, it is never going to cross my mind, and I don't care how many butts you show me. And that's exactly how most men would think. Whereas a woman could be sitting in a coffee shop and overhear a conversation in which somebody else says – 
did you see so-and-so? Man, her butt has really gotten big. And that woman will immediately think of her own butt, and then she will continue to think about it if she's insecure about it for an extended period of time. But she has to have the insecurity. And one of the ways I've pointed that out is if a stranger walked up to you on the street and said, your butt is huge and gross, you as a woman would probably to some degree take that to heart and be like, oh God, what the heck? But if that same guy walked up to you and said, you have disgusting wrists, you'd go, whoa, you're a weirdo, dude. You only see it as something wrong with him. You would never make that correlation to your own body. Something is clearly wrong with this man, not you. Because he just said something completely absurd. Whereas when a guy came up to somebody like your average man and said those same things, you have a disgusting butt. The guy would – most men would, again, see that as this is basically the same type of person that would walk around and – and and you know curse at people downtown for no reason. Mm -hmm. So – yeah, so, go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm just curious. So, like, I guess I'm just wondering, like, what do you think people should be doing? Do you think, I mean, I feel like it's unrealistic kind of to expect everybody to get off social media completely, but it's also kind of like almost what we should do, you know? Like, what are you going to, what are you going to, like, do with your daughters as they grow up and that becomes a bigger part? I, you know, I'm I'm going to educate them to the best of my ability about what's really happening there. I mean, they're I don't. It's they're not going to get off of social media. They're they're going to get on it eventually in some context. They just need to understand what it is. I mean, we've got data, stacks of data. I have um I have a Google Scholar alert set up for social media, and every couple of days I get studies come across my desk talking about how this stuff is problematic and how. Um, when things like when loneliness goes up, social media time goes up to try to compensate, but, but loneliness does not come back down. Yeah. How people with them with higher levels of addiction to body image or, or to social media have worse body image issues. How, I mean, it's just, it's, it's constant. The data just pours in all the time. But the, the thing is, is that that you know it's a part of our culture and our society now so i think what you know my daughters need to understand my my wife uses social media very well she gets on facebook once or twice a week and she literally checks in with family and lots of people ask her to be her friend and she doesn't accept any of them because she doesn't know who these people are and she doesn't need she doesn't look at the number of people that are her friends as as some sort of you know additional value to who she is mm-hmm. but because of what i do and because you know, the diet that I created, Alt Shift, was has been very successful, and she was the the very first Alt Shifter. Um, she, you know, lots of people have seen her results, and lots of people have tried to be her friend online, and she typically just doesn't really um, pay much attention. It's not because she's trying to be rude, but because she knows that she doesn't need a bunch more filtered lives injected into hers. Yeah. You know, so um, I, I I think. Uh, I think you just you have to just know what it is, and then use it like you use group email or something like that. If you if you try to um, if if you try to to get on social media just blind, I think that's where you just fall right into the trap. You think, oh, look at all of these quote unquote friends. Look at how valuable it is that I know what that woman's wedding dress looks like the one you know that woman that i haven't seen since sophomore year in high school and i'm 30 now you know that that these things aren't 
they're they're not important information. You're not missing out, but you know, I can guarantee you right now, I absolutely promise you, the huge majority of your listeners, I'm going to go with above 90%, I'll put my bottom dollar on it, have their phones next to their bed at night. And they're literally looking at social media at some point while they lay in bed. Oh, that absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There are those that have to look at it while they brush their teeth. There are those that will absentmindedly just grab their phone and flip open Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, something when they're standing in any kind of line. But that that level of connection that says, I will somehow miss out, but then nobody can really put their finger on what they're missing out on. Like yeah. it's it, it's it's always this nebulous like statement that I, I have to be connected, but connected to what connected to the drivel that's pouring out of people's social media. It's like these people are sharing things that when you didn't know that your life was not altered in any way, shape or form. But what you get along with it is all the social comparison. You get to find out how their life is absolutely perfect because nobody's going to tell you that their life is crap unless they're completely unloading, trying to get attention for that. You know, so there's, there's yeah. never really the truth. You're not being presented with the truth. And when you take that as truth, you can hurt yourself pretty badly. I think, yeah, that's a really good point. And also, I think there are two sort of parts to the social media issue. The one part is, you know, you go on Facebook or Instagram or any other platform and you see what your friends or random people are doing. But then there's also the whole like other bloggers and people mm-hmm. who you have all these followers who people look to um as sources of of information and i'm just curious like do you see what like instagrammers are putting out there and stuff do you ever see what like to people my age like um do you ever see any of that like they're putting out nutrition information and you know workout information and things like that that i feel like a lot of times are really destructive and i'm just curious if you ever see that and what you think yeah, I'm not on Instagram, but okay. yes, I am aware of this. I, I mean, my business is on Instagram, but I, I pay somebody to do that for me so that yeah. I can be happy. Smart. <laughs> yeah, smart. But, um, and on Facebook, I only have a page. I mean, I'm required to have a profile, but I don't, I don't use it. I just use it to access my, my business pages. The, and then we have an alt shift diet uh, closed group. And I'm on there, but that is where it's only one subject and it is, and I have complete control. Anybody comes in and they act like a troll, like we toss them out. Um, so I don't really get the exposure to social media that everybody else does. But yes, when it comes to fitness and, um, and health and all that stuff, the internet has made people who simply have a big following into experts. And that's really unfortunate. It's taken, you know, you can be, a young woman with a you know uh, a body that other women aspire to have and you can post the right photos and you will get a bunch of people following you then you can tell people whatever crazy thing you did to get your body that way and other people will jump on that bandwagon and in the rea- in, in reality you're looking at you know situations in which everybody including the original poster just continues down that path for a year or two and you've got you know slow thyroids and damaged metabolisms and you know people that are that are broken that uh, that that are now going to have an even harder time getting into shape uh, and and it it's all comes down to the fact that numbers of followers now equals this level of expertise and it's 
it's just it's crap. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, no, this is what because this is what they do. They put out an ebook or a guide that's a workout plan and then a, f- a meal plan, and then they post to Instagram these before and after pictures that are usually fudged a little bit. You know, they post a picture of their abs, and you don't mm-hmm. know what they looked like with or without that meal plan or guide, and if they actually even followed it. And mm-hmm. and then people see these pictures and they think, oh, I want to look like that, and they go and buy it, and then they re and then you know it's just this big cycle, and it's people don't realize long term what what they're doing is like going to do to their bodies. And I want to talk about that more. I want to talk about so like the clients that you see and work with, what mistakes do you see them having made in their past when they were younger that are really causing problems now? Like what do we need to be aware of? You know? Well, you mean on the, the, on the physical side, like what kinds yeah. of things are they doing? Yeah, I, you know, I can't, about, yeah. I can't start there. Like I, I, because you asked me to try to reach this younger crowd, the thing is, and we'll go there in a second. I'm happy yeah. to tell you that stuff, but first and foremost, it doesn't matter what I tell your listeners to do. I created alt shift and it's freaking amazing. It works like a miracle for most people, but it doesn't matter. I still had to write body beliefs because at least 80% will still fail. And the reason why is because it doesn't matter if I give you an absolutely perfect protocol. This is never going to be about the protocol when you're extrinsically motivated. When your motivations are such that you have this attitude that says, I just wish the world would like me the way that that I am, but I have to do all these ridiculous things in order to be able to get them to like me more. And if I could just look this certain way, something would happen. And I defy anybody to tell me what that thing is. Like if I had a body like that girl over there, blank would happen. Tell me what that is. I mean, nobody can. Everything that they're going to come up with is something like, I'm going to feel more confident. Or These are all just thoughts. It's all just stuff in your head. What physically happens in the world is a few people walk by you and tell you that you look like you lost some weight. And that's the end of it. Everything else are things that you manufacture in your head. I would feel this way. I wouldn't think like this. I wouldn't be so anxious about, and all of that is just about thoughts. But when we're talking about extrinsic versus intrinsic motivations, we're talking about what you would do on a desert island with nobody else around. Mm -hmm. If nobody else was around to judge you, would you still eat this way? Would you still... Um, would you still move this way? No, because I do this because I want to look good and looking good requires other people around. When you say that, you are going to fall off the wagon at some point. Let me give you a perfect example. You are doing all of this for other people and you've got that sort of spite that says, damn it, why won't they just like me anyway? All this horrible stuff I got to do and it's all a burden. And then massive stress hits you. Your relationship falls apart or your bills overwhelm you or you lose your job or a loved one dies. And now you are absolutely forced to be selfish. You're forced to be totally focused on you while you get through this problem. With an extrinsic motivation, you have to put everybody else's uh, wants and desires on, a back, on the back burner while you work on your own and you will quit working on all of this. It was only a, a, ever a burden anyway. You didn't want to be eating this way. You didn't want to be moving this way. You feel like you have to so that people will love you more. And so it comes down to this thing where there's this example. I think I did this on Rob's podcast, but where you're basically, it's like if you got up every single morning and 
you went to the to to a uh, your child. Let's say you have a five year old kid. You go to your kid and you look at that kid every single morning and you go, God, you just disgust me. You're just gross. And when I'm a, when we're around other kids, I don't even think that you ever could be like them. You don't compare to them at all. You're just never going to be any better. You're just gross. You would destroy that kid's life if that's how you talk to them. And yet that's, those are the tools that most women are using every morning in the mirror in order to try to create beauty, for God's sakes. They're looking in the mirror and ripping themselves to shreds, and they think that that is the path to creating something gorgeous. And it can't happen. It won't happen. It would, you couldn't develop any human being anywhere ever into something amazing by treating them like that. And yet you treat yourself like that and expect that something awesome is going to happen. So what do you do physically? You don't do anything physically until you've got the rest of this stuff sorted out. Because everything you try to do physically, you are going to fall flat on your face, tell yourself you're a failure, mark another notch on your wall for how many times you've screwed this up because you're such a loser, and you're going to tell yourself that over and over and over again throughout an adult life until you finally break down and go, okay, I'm either going to stop trying or I need a completely different tact. But this isn't about protocols or how people lift weights, or how they eat. Yes, there are definitely things that absolutely work, but I created one of those, and I watched almost everybody continue to start and stop and start and stop. For example, people would come to me and say things like, I have a really big emotional attachment to cookies, Jason. I used to, I used to bake them with my grandmother. And I every time I eat a cookie, I fall off the wagon for two or three weeks. I do the obligatory quit for a while and get mad at myself because I blew it. And then I come back later and I have a really hard time getting back on the wagon. Sometimes I can get it going again, but eventually I eat another cookie. And then they would say, can you tell me how to avoid eating cookies? And my answer would be, you don't need to avoid eating cookies. You can deal with that later. The first thing you need to do is figure out how to avoid quitting every time you eat a cookie. How you can avoid stopping and telling yourself you're a loser for three weeks, the, the obligatory amount of time that it takes for you to finally be able to get back on track every single time you eat something that's off plan because you believed you had to stack up whatever 30 perfect meals in a row and then go run and get on the scale and see if you're better. And that's not the point. This meal matters. This one matters because it's good for me and it will make me healthier and I deserve that. I'm not eating this meal because the last one was perfect and the next one's going to be perfect any more than I've ever taken a shower on a Monday because I took one on a Sunday and because I will take one on a Tuesday. This meal right here matters because I'm worth it, not because if I do this enough times, people will like me better. And when that's sorted out, you can do anything you ever want to do. Do you still want me to lay out what you actually do for the physical side? Well... I totally agree. That's the important part. I just meant like, I almost think that, you know, it's, it, that's such a hard mindset shift for people. Um, and it's so important, but almost, I feel like hearing from people who have been able to make that mindset shift, like what they wish they had known earlier might mm -hmm. help them understand, you know, like what problems are they seeing with their hormones? Like, you know, like, things like that like to understand like that you're worth f 
like being healthy and feeling healthy, you know? Yeah. I mean, again, the, the stuff that, that, that translates over to the physical side is all about consistency. I mean, you have to convince your body that life on earth is awesome and it can be really healthy instead of going to war with your body all the time. You know, I am adamantly against steady state cardio, for example. It's a really good way to teach your body that life on earth sucks. There's not enough calories going <laughs> to go around and we have to run like crazy to get away from whatever's chasing us or to catch this food. So what do we do? Well, let's hoard some midsection fat. Let's make sure we lose muscle mass before we get rid of all of this fat and we hold on to that fat right around the midsection. Why? Because life on earth is hard and we need to be prepared for that. We don't need all this muscle mass around that would give us a good shape. What we need is that fat close to our our uh, our organs, where it's easily accessible, that squishy stomach and those love handles, and maybe the the uh, the the butt butt and thighs that are just a little bigger than what you would want them to be. That's the that's the best you can ever hope for out of steady state cardio, because you're not teaching your body that life's awesome, that you can be really healthy, and it's the same thing for for um, caloric restriction. That's the exact same scenario that plays out in the end. So with the average woman out there cutting her calories and then training like that, we're not seeing anything that's happening out of love or compassion for a body. We're seeing war. We're seeing torture. We're seeing a woman try to beat her body into submission because it's, she's so angry for how it's betrayed her. It didn't betray her. It did exactly what she told it to do. She first didn't really live a very healthy lifestyle and put on the weight to begin with. And now it's holding on to that weight because the ways that she's trying to get it off are just torture. And it's, it's trying to defend itself. So, I mean, yeah, on the physical side, this is the type of stuff that it's really healthy to know. This stuff that says, you know, don't, don't do things that, that look like abuse, do things that look like love and compassion. But then you end up again at that place where the, the, the mindset has to come first. And if you're not doing this stuff because you, you believe that you deserve it and that you would, you know, you would be doing it even if nobody was around watching, then, you know, it's really hard to get that across to somebody that, you know, you're, everything that you're doing doesn't require you to run out into the world and look at the faces of other people and find out whether or not they approve of you. What matters most is that you're doing it because you're worth it because yeah. you are awesome already. Your body is an unbelievably amazing biochemical machine and your desire to be liked is really admirable and, and beautiful. And it's one of the amazing things that makes women women, but you're being tortured in this modern society in a fight that you can never win. And you can back up and simply do these things because you're awesome, not because you want other people to make you feel awesome. Yeah. Is there, when people come to you, have they typically reached the point where they've realized this and now they really like want to work on, you know, true health and showing themselves love? Or do people come to you usually like not having made this mindset shift yet and then you help them through that? Yeah, they hear about alt shift because they want some somebody they know gets some great results and mm -hmm. they come to the table and then we have to basically beg them to read body beliefs first. And I'm so um I'm so emphatic about this that since you and I were emailing back and forth and scheduled this podcast, I've actually made the decision that I all the digital copies of body beliefs are now free. 
So I, I've been giving them away for I saw just that. over a week I, now. Yeah, I, I saw that when I went on your site the other day. That's amazing. Yeah. So this this book is on Amazon and it has a five star uh, five five star review um, rating on Amazon, um, and it's been out since January. I sell a ton of books on Amazon, but I've decided that it's so important that women need to read this first. So they come to us and they're no, they don't get this. To to your question, they don't get it. They're like. Tell me what to do to lose weight. And you can hear all the desperation. And we'd go read body beliefs. And when it was something they had to go buy, it was like I was nickeling and diming them. So I'd go, yeah, you can go buy a hard copy, but the the PDF now is free. So you don't have an excuse. Go read it. Yeah. And if they don't read it and they stay desperate, they're usually gone within a couple of weeks. Interesting. Yeah. So everybody listening, go download it and read it right now, right? Yeah. So basically they can go to uh, altshiftdiet.com uh, and, and slash body beliefs with no spaces mm-hmm. and that will get them the, the, the free download or they can go to um, just altshift diet and hit the sign up tab and join my email list and they'll get it there too. Okay, great. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Um, so I mean, well, obviously they'll need to read it, but are there like, what kind of lifestyle changes do you suggest people make to help, to help start with this change? Like when you're talking about body beliefs? Yeah. Like when you're talking they're... about learning to come from a place of like love and not abusing your body. Yeah. I mean, we, the book starts with the story of Jenny, who is sort of the typical, a uh, story that I encounter on a regular basis where, you know, she's she's six years old and she wanders into her mom's room and sees her mom looking in the mirror, pinching the fat on her stomach. And and uh, she asks her mom what's wrong. And her mom says, nothing, sweetie. Mommy's just fat. So Jenny pinches her own stomach and realizes that she can pinch up skin too. So she must be a big girl like her mom and fat is clearly bad. So we start down that whole path. And then, you know, she gets into junior high and some kids call her fat and she decides that she owns that gets into high school and uh the the boys don't ask her to prom and she uses that as clarity she's like yeah i I, they didn't ask me to prom because i'm fat when in reality all the way back in in grade school she decided she was fat so she started looking at the ground and putting headphones on and not making eye contact and becoming very unapproachable and otherwise looking like a really not fun prom date and that's why she doesn't get asked out but to her you could never convince her of that because the boys didn't ask her out and she believes she's fat you move into some she you know I walk you through uh, bad relationships and then finally a decent relationship but one in which she doesn't ever really listen to what her man says about how he thinks she looks and you know the whole sort of downward spiral that typically happens for so many women and I hear from a lot of women after they you know when they very first read that that they they get a hold of me crying but you know we there isn't a lot of the straight up lifestyle change stuff I'm not telling people in that book how to lose lose fat I did that in alt shift what I'm telling them is all of the things that that make them mess up, like not looking at this like practice, like we were just talking about a minute ago, every time they make a mistake, they just quit. And you would never do that with say, you know, if you were trying to learn something else. I think the example I used on Rob Wolf's podcast was like, if you were trying to learn how to play the violin, you wouldn't pick up the violin and then 
run the bow across the strings only until you hit a sour note and then get mad and throw the violin in a case up in the closet and go tell yourself that you suck at playing violin for multiple weeks before you finally try again, you would make a mistake and continue to try to learn because what you're doing is practicing, but you're intrinsically motivated to play the violin. And when you're extrinsically motivated to lose fat, your response is, this isn't working and I'm awful at this and everybody else is more fortunate than I am, so screw it. And you, you, you don't practice, you quit. And we do silly things like, you know, tell ourselves, I deserve a treat. I des- I've been so good on my diet, which literally means not eating treats, that now I deserve a treat. And everybody has done that. And yet when you really think about it, it's an unbelievably asinine concept. It's exactly like saying, I did such a great job cleaning my house. I deserve to throw a big handful of dirt on my living room floor. Yeah. Like it's, it's exactly the opposite. What if you had a job and you were about to get promoted and everybody loved the work you were doing and you were like, I have done such a great job here. Clearly the right move now is to just blow this next project. I deserve that. I deserve to do a terrible job on the next project. I mean, that's what we're saying when we say these ridiculous things. So the book is an examination of all of this. And then as far as the lifestyle changes, that stuff's all in all shift. So um, I, you know, again, nobody gets success from, from very, very few people just stumble into success without addressing all of this stuff first. And I've given you some examples. I've given you some, some of the things that have derailed tons of your listeners already. They've already been derailed. But instead of addressing that obstacle, it's human nature to just go back at the starting line and run as hard as you can again until you slam face first into that obstacle and then call yourself a failure and go back to the starting line again. Instead of dealing with what's actually derailing you and changing your mindset to something that could actually work, we we just rinse and repeat. Yeah. Okay, how awesome is Jason so far? I just need to take a quick break because I want to talk to you guys about something else I love really, really quickly, Beauty Counter. You know that I'm obsessed with Beauty Counter. I love makeup and skincare and all things beauty, but I'm a stickler about ingredients per usual. I care just as much about what I put on my skin and on my body as I do what I put in it when I'm eating. And Beauty Counter is my absolute favorite. So if you're not already aware, the personal care industry is not regulated by the government basically at all. And a lot of the products on the market today are just filled with really harmful ingredients, lots of toxins, endocrine disruptors, hormone disruptors, chemicals that we just don't want in our body. And these chemicals can lead to a ton of different issues from asthma to cancer to infertility. The European Union has actually banned over 1,300 chemicals in personal care products, and the U.S. has only partially banned 30. And there hasn't been a major federal law to regulate the safety of the ingredients used in personal care products since 1938. That's so long. And one of the things I love about Beauty Counter is that the women in Beauty Counter are in Washington right now fighting to try and get the beauty industry regulated. So we are trying to make laws so that all companies have to pay attention to the ingredients they're putting in their products because companies can label anything natural and safe even when they're not. And it's really sad and pretty scary, actually. So Beauty Counter has banned the use of over 1,500 questionable or harmful ingredients. And those are all on the Never List. So the Never List is a list 
of the ingredients they've banned, you can go on their website and read all of those ingredients and feel better about the products that you're putting on your skin. So I love everything from Beauty Counter. I have a whole blog post on my website about all my favorite products, but the brand new counter match, the new moisturizer is my favorite and it's back in stock. So I just wanted to tell people about it because it sold out in the first 12 hours it was released and now it's back. And if you don't know about counter match, it's this incredible moisturizer that's all about adaptive moisture. So basically what that means is that it matches the structure of your skin and adapts to its hydration levels throughout the day, which is pretty cool. The scientists from Beauty Counter used this biomimicking formula that use ingredients that you can find in green olives, beetroot, and green rice to make it. And it's my favorite moisturizer. I use it every day. I highly recommend you check it out. So you can shop Beauty Counter at beautycounter.com slash Christina Rice. And you can find all of the products there. I genuinely use every single product on that website and love them all. And if you need product recommendations, if you need help, picking a color if you're doing the foundation or concealer just email me at addictedtolovely.com and I will help you pick something out and I'm just so passionate about this and I think people really need to take their health into their own hands and paying attention to what we put on our bodies is really important so if you haven't checked out beauty counter already check it out if you want to make a purchase then definitely head to beautycounter.com slash christina rice and you will love it. I promise. Okay. Back to Jason. I think also a lot of that has to do with kind of who people surround themselves with. Um, like I know my generation, like if you're in college in a sorority and all these girls around you have these negative mindsets, like so much of it is just like, I, I mean, for me personally, I feel like you need to surround yourself with people who like get rid of those people who have those harmful mindsets, you know? Um, Uh, certainly like I think and that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about like I guess like lifestyle changes to help Mm. with the mindset shift like you know and like like what we were saying before like the social media thing getting like we don't need to be looking at social media all the time and how you were saying to be aware if you're looking at social media like just be aware of like that's not real you know Um, yeah yeah it's it's a super hard sell though because like I said in the beginning you know, that is a rank thing for women. So yeah. it to to go, I'm gonna go remove these ten friends from my life yeah. because they're negative is a super rare stance for most women. It's not Absolutely. something that you, you don't remove people because that detracts from the total number that you use for that popularity value. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's you know, when you're when you were in high school, it was the 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 word popular was more often applied to girls like when they said those are the popular girls that's all they meant those girls were popular when you said those are the popular boys you typically were talking about boys that have proven themselves in other ways like they were the star quarterback or you know some sort of athlete or something like that and they so the boys would go out and fight for that rank well when you get that programmed into you at such a young age and you know it's, it's let's be honest it's not even it's not even entirely programmed into you like we were talking about before a lot of it is just genetically part of what it means to be 
female because having a big social circle meant you were safer and you, you, your, your future was more secure. And so now in this modern world where having a, a, you know, 500 Facebook friends does absolutely nothing for your safety, your well-being, your, your ability to, to find food and raise your kids, any of that kind of stuff, it, it's just betraying you that, you know, you can have friends that are generally awful and really super negative people and you get together with them and all they want to talk about is bodies and who's on what diet and just this constant thinking about the, the, their bodies and the bodies of the women around them. And, you know, you, you've, you've known these women, sometimes they're super judgmental. Sometimes they're just super insecure, but either way, if you get rid of them, that's one less person on the list. And that list is something that you're genetically programmed to want to keep very full. So it takes some real effort. You've got to like step up and ask yourself the why behind these questions. What? Why am I on social media constantly checking to see whether or not I got likes? If I post a picture and it gets 500 likes in the next three minutes, what happens? And then somebody will say something like, oh, well, I will, I will feel good. What? So you're talking – this thing has to happen and then you're going to think thoughts and make yourself – feel good. I mean, somebody else like me who wouldn't see any value in that would get those 500 likes in three minutes and not necessarily feel good. So this isn't inherently something that is a good in, in human lives. It's something that you translate into a good. You don't have to have that or need that in any way, shape or form because nothing in your physical world changes. You could just simply think other thoughts. Yeah. I also, I mean, while I'm talking to you as a male, I think um, like a lot of women, you know, are doing things to try and get approval from men, um, but it doesn't necessarily, I mean, I feel like a lot of, like they think that if they find, quote, the perfect diet and they have the perfect body and have the perfect workout routine, like then they're going to magically meet the perfect guy, you know, or like then, then a man will pay attention to them. And it just seems really, let me um, break this down for you ladies. Can you? (laughs) Yes. Yes. I've, I've done a bunch of research. There's a whole, there's whole sections in body beliefs about this, but let's break this down for you. You misunderstand attraction in massive, massive ways as women and i and and i again some of this is programmed into you but here's the deal you are imposing on men the the how the ways that you understand attraction and that is very problematic for you and it is causing you a lot of harm what i mean by that is and i have an example in in um body beliefs that says that if you got um, a a male friend to go out, and it can't be you because men wouldn't tell you the truth, but if you got a male friend to go out and poll 500 men for you and ask them, would you sleep with blank and have blank be the current whatever train wreck of a celebrity is falling down outside of nightclubs right now? <laughs> um, and I'm not going to name anybody, but let's just say that that you were you, you you we had that person in our mind. You get this male friend to ask 500 men, "Would you sleep with so and so? Were you not in a relationship, and were there absolutely no strings attached?" 
And unless there is some sort of ideology in that male about premarital sex, like religion or something like that, almost every male is going to say yes. Then you say, have that same guy ask, would you date that woman? And the answer would sound something like, <laughs> hell no. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. But you guys have a hard time separating out those things. And every way that you are programmed to look at attraction from your perspective, we are programmed to look at attraction from ours. That's not to say that we are not monogamous. It's not to say that we're all scumbags or it doesn't give you license to call us all pigs. But what it does say is that when we think of a, a, a woman as sexually attractive, we are not necessarily including and very much often not including all of the rest of the facets of attraction. So you walk into a party and you see guys gathered around that blonde girl in the corner that's trying too hard and you say, I wish I was like her. And somebody like me would hear you say that and go, you want to be the girl that nobody calls on Monday morning? Nobody marries her. I mean, I'm, I'm being yeah. unfair. She could be awesome, you know, but <laughs> But based on what you can see, that's not what we marry. Yes, we do marry attractive, physically attractive people, women, whenever we can. But the idea of that being the, the whole of attraction is ridiculous. So you don't want to be treated like meat. You want somebody, typically most women in most of their lives want somebody that they can actually be with and fall in love with. And when we look at the pie chart of what makes a woman attractive to that guy, the guy that wants to be with you for a long time, attraction, physical attraction is like, uh, you know, a fifth or a quarter of the whole pie chart. Other than that, he's also looking at, is this somebody that I want to sit up with and have conversations with deep into the night? Is this somebody whose smile lights up the room? And I don't mean like, oh, she smiled. I want to go rip her clothes off. I mean, oh, she smiled and it touches my heart and warms it. Is, is this somebody that I believe I would want to have kids with? Do I see all of these characteristics in her that maybe complement some of the characteristics that I have or don't have? All of these things add into attraction, and the only thing you're ever focusing on is butts and boobs. <laughs> It's yeah. ridiculous because that's not what we're doing. Yes, when you are young, you get this beat into your head. Why? Because you are out there in high school and college surrounded by young males, rot with testosterone. They're worthless in, in most cases. I certainly was. And <laughs> have no freaking clue how to put together something that would look like a good relationship in most cases. And they are being driven by high levels of a hormone that wants them to breed and breed now because that's what's important to the species. But when we settle down to being monogamous, a little secret, women, and I hope this doesn't break too many hearts, but most of us don't even marry the prettiest girl that we've ever dated. And I know you want to be that, but we don't marry them because that is proof that being the prettiest is not being the most attractive. Being pretty and being attractive are different things, and you must, must beat this into your head however you possibly can. If there are any men listening to this, every one of them is about to nod their head. We have all been someplace where we were hanging out and we didn't even really notice a woman someplace off in our peripheral view. And then we heard her say something and we were looking for our car keys to go to a jewelry store to buy her a ring. 
And yet moments ago, she didn't even stand out. And now all we can think about is, I got to get in front of this girl and have a conversation with her. Every man listening is nodding their head right now because that has happened. And every woman thinks that I'm talking trash to make them feel good. That's a shame. I'm so glad you said that. People need to hear that a lot. Yes, attraction is not physical beauty. Physical beauty is part of attraction, ladies. For God's sakes, stop pretending that if you have a great body, you will attract the man of your dreams through some sort of magic. And then women will say, but Jason, I'm a really good person. They just don't know it because I don't look like those women. That's the argument that some of your listeners are oh thinking. Oh my God. Yeah. They just don't know. They're not giving me a chance because they're not physically attracted to me. Really? Is that why they're not giving you a chance or are they not giving you a chance? Because you believe you're not physically attracted because confidence is hot as hell. Yeah. And if you are being that girl in high school who isn't making eye contact because she believes that every interaction is another opportunity to possibly get hurt like those boys in seventh grade who told her she was fat. If you believe that, your walls are visible to the rest of us because we're not stupid. Your insecurity is written on your face and that is making you less attractive. It's not the shape of your butt. It's not the shape of your nose. That yeah. you, What you are projecting into the world is far more convincing about whether or not you were attractive. And if you can simply change that, you probably can get around that whole argument where you're going, they won't let me show them who I really am because they're because I don't look like that supermodel. Yeah. I think, I mean, also the other issue is like this, what whatever the person thinks is attractive is subjective. And like these unattainable ideals, like, I mean, going back to the, social media thing like these pictures that have been doctored up and people are kind of like chasing this body that they're I mean you're not going to become another person or a picture by like you know what I mean like you're not going to like magically transform into somebody else by doing by working out like five hours a day and eating a certain way like it's not going to happen you know what I'm saying Exactly. Right. I mean, you're, you're like chasing you're this di- unattainable I- ideal. And also, I mean, that ideal is like, why is that the ideal anyways? <laughs> right. It's not, it's not the ideal. It's only the ideal among women. Yeah. When you, and you have to ignore so much to feel this way, wander around in your real world, get out of the internet, the magazines, the TV shows, the movies and the billboards, look around at the grocery store, at the mall, look for men that you believe are attractive and carry themselves well, and look at the women on their arms, and you will see all different kinds of women. You will see women that you think are overweight. You will see women that you think are unattractive. You will see women that you think are gorgeous, and you will see everything in between, and that's real life. But you're not looking around the world to make these comparisons. You're busy looking at Jennifer Aniston on Friends and trying to decide what it would take, what kind of desperate maneuver would take to make you look like her when you don't have to look like her, and there's proof everywhere. You're surrounded by it. Yeah. Yeah, I totally... Totally. Any woman any woman that tries to say that every attractive man she's ever seen has been nothing with nothing but a gorgeous Hollywood-looking model is a liar. That's just wrong. You I mean, 10 minutes in your mall, your local mall will show you how false that is. Yeah. I think also 
Do you ever think that people sort of overcomplicate it? Um, like, like it's like these women are, you know, doing these workout routines and meal plans and stuff and sort of like overcomplicating everything and trying to find, you know, the perfect, perfect way to live to get the perfect body. And it's like, they're just like, it's never, they're not going to find that. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, tell me what that is. I mean, I don't what's, know. What's I feel, the, I, I, that's what I mean. Like you're, I'm, almost, I'm asking that rhetorically. Like what is the perfect body? Yeah, exactly. Nobody can define that. Yeah. I mean, we've got everybody from Gabby Reese to, to uh, Selma Hayek if, if, when we're talking about height. Mm-hmm. So, and super curvy to, 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 you know, super lean and thin and, I mean, brunettes and redheads and blondes and brown-eyed and blue-eyed and green-eyed girls and women. And I just, you know, what what is this perfect thing that you're aiming at? And how in the world would you ever know that you're there? Yeah. And that desperate pursuit, unfortunately, doesn't ever end with women actually knowing that they're there. So it's just a constant des- desperate pursuit. It's, I hate my body. And then they get to a place where they should love their body, but they just whip out a magnifying glass and stand closer to the mirror and try to find more things to hate. Because I've been saying for a lot of years, you can't fix a body you hate. You have to love a body first and then turn it into something awesome. Otherwise, no matter what you ever make it look like. Here's an example right here. You're So many women have pictures that they can look back at and go, you know, and it's usually women that are a little bit older, probably maybe than, than a lot of your, your listeners, if we're talking mostly to early 20s. But you know, by the time a woman is in her 30s, so many women have pictures where they can look back at and go, oh my gosh, look at how cute I was. I wish I could just get back to this. Yeah. And then all you got to do is ask them, really? How'd you feel about your body back then? And then they'll go, uh, yeah, you're right. I thought I was fat then too. I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. So they want to get back to some place where they were miserable because now that they know better, they, they're like, well, I wouldn't be miserable this time. What do you mean you wouldn't be miserable this time? You're starting with the you're you're trying to put the cart before the horse. You're trying to fix the wrong thing. The 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 problem with your negative opinion of your body isn't the shape of your body, it's the negative opinion. Fix the negative opinion and you can do anything you want with your body. You can make it look however you want, but you have to do that by pursuing health and vitality because those things are super sexy. Mm-hmm. But just pursuing a smaller number on a scale or a smaller waist size, that's that th- those things don't lead to to beauty. They well, in some cases they lead to more shapely bodies, but they don't lead to better attraction. Yeah. Well, but I mean, not even necessarily. I mean, your number can be higher on the scale and you can have a better shaped body because you're more muscular, you know, like. Yeah, especially when women are older. I, I have a I have a picture of um, of uh, in alt shift of a client, old client of mine, um, Deb, who is a, in side by side pictures. And one side, she's a size six. The other side, she's a size 12. And she's 155 pounds in both pictures. And if you're. A woman, you know, you get, even by the age of about 25, if you're saying, I want to get the body that I had when I was 18, you can probably get back into those pants, but I can almost guarantee you, you're going to be considerably heavier. When you get into those pants, you will weigh more. And sometimes you have to tell women, are you, you know, if they're, if they're close, but carrying some fat, you know, if they've only got, you know, 10 or 15 pounds of fat to lose, you'll have to say things like, yeah, I can maybe get you back into those size six pants, but are you willing to gain some weight? And you can watch them just like really struggle with that. Like, uh, 
oh, and you're going, I just said you were going back into size six pants. That's the shape. That's the part we can all see. Mm-hmm. Are you willing to gain some weight that nobody can see because nobody's eyes, human eyes don't measure gravity's effect on you? Are you, a, are you willing to gain some weight on the scale in order to change the part that we can all see into what you want? And you can watch them really struggle with that because that correlation between the scale and attraction is so high, even though it's never really been right. Yeah, I think that's so interesting how people attach so much self-worth to a number that no one else can even tell or like, you know, a size in clothes when it could be a higher number, but you could like look better, you know? Yeah, and right. And it's like no one knows when you step on the scale, no one knows that besides you and wh- like, why does it matter, you know? Yeah. Um, And even when people like fluctuate, you know, I have friends who will, they'll freak out about gaining three pounds this week. And I'm like, that could be water. Like, I don't even, you know, no one knows what you, you probably fluctuate by three times. You probably fluctuate by three pounds a day. Yeah. Yeah. Easily. Easily. Yeah. Um, And, and what, and who cares? Like what, what happens, what would happen if you didn't? Like that's the question nobody's asking. Like I, and, and then the, you know, the question, why do you want to lose weight? When I ask that question, it's like you just – you make people stutter. They're like, bah, bah, what? you have to want to lose weight. Well, what's going to happen when you do? Yeah. What's going to happen? If your whole focus is just on changing your aesthetics, what's going to happen when you lose weight? Because the way I teach it is to try to get you more healthy, more vitality. Yeah. You'll live longer, feel better, sleep better, have a better sex drive, have better skin, hair, all of this awesome stuff. And weight loss is one little thing on that list. So when you say to me, what happens when I do it your way, I will give you a great big long list. But what happens when you do it your way? You just freak out about this stuff and hate your body down to a smaller size temporarily right before you gain the weight back. What happens? And we went over that earlier. Some people will walk by you and tell you that you you look better. And if you're a young woman and you're surrounded by males full of testosterone, you will have more males want to come sleep with you and not talk to you again. That's that's going to be the huge advantage that you'll get out of that. But being smaller isn't suddenly going to make a magical relationship for you because the people that are putting together relationships out there are looking at a heck of a lot more than your pant size. Yeah, definitely. And – I think also the problem is like what you're saying. It's like everybody wants to lose weight and most like as people my age, most of them don't need to lose weight. Yeah. I, I, you know, uh, I, I, I wish we could just get, get people to look, I mean, if you're going to have to take, take some sort of metric, it would make way more sense to look at like your circumference measurements. But even then, I mean, people, women that weigh themselves every single day, that is, that is a, a huge problem. I mean, it just is. It, it just is a window into the level of anxiety that's going on there. You're not just curiously looking at – I mean, unless you've got a lot of rickety bridges you need to cross – you're not just curiously looking at how gravity is affecting you, how you're being pulled onto the surface of the earth. You are correlating that with your attraction and you're doing it every single day. And thinking about whether or not you're attractive multiple times a day, even every day, is just a crappy way to live a life. Yeah, I totally agree. Wow. You said so many 
Yeah, I'm so glad that you're saying all of this. Um, is there anything else that you just like, like before we wrap up, because I've kept you here for an hour now, um, like that you just like want people in the younger demographic to hear, like that you just want to say? like. Yeah, I, I want you to not wait until you're um, 40 to read Body Beliefs. And it's mm-hmm. free. It's yeah. free. So I put everything in there. If you read it and you hate it and you think that I'm completely crazy, by all means, email me at jason at altshiftdiet.com and tell me that. I have yet to hear that. But you can't say that I'm trying to, to, to get your money from you because I've made it free. So don't wait. Go read it now and, and just see if maybe 5% of it changes your life. Just, just 5% could put you on a 5% better path into the rest of your life than what most women are dealing with on a day-to-day basis. But what do you have to lose? You can read the book in a, in a, you know, a hard pushed afternoon. So, you know, you have nothing to lose. Roll the dice. It's free. Read it and tell me if I, if, if I'm completely out of line. But like I said, if one sentence in there gives you one sentence worth of a leg up on what other women are going through around you, it will be worth it, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure they'll get more than one sentence worth. Um, But yeah, so definitely everybody should read it and it's free. And how could people get in touch with you if they wanted to reach out to you? You can reach me at jason at altshiftdiet.com. Altshiftdiet.com is my website. We have a podcast. Everything's there. You just Mm -hmm. go to that site and everything is connected there. We have um, the Altshift Facebook group is a closed group. We let anybody in, but, um, you know, we don't. When, when, if people come in and they're, you know, being rude to anybody else or not making it a safe place, we, we toss them out. People come in and, you know, advertise things or try to troll or whatever they get tossed out. But, but otherwise it's a, it's a safe place to discuss all this stuff. Um, every, every single thing I do is also announced through my email list. If you get body beliefs, you'll have to give me your email address to get that. Of course you can immediately unsubscribe, but, and I don't spam anybody ever. I send out, informational emails and emails that, that with, you know, with advice in them or things that, you know, tell you what I'm up to and usually not more than about once a week. But, um, those, those would be the best ways to keep up with what I'm doing. But by all means, just start with body beliefs, start there. If that interests you, then yeah, get on my email list and, and well, I mean, you know, stay on my email list or (laughs) come to the Facebook group and pay and, and ask for more advice or whatever. I, I don't, I, you know, I hope you end up doing all shift. That's the part that is actually my, you know, and some of the other things that we do, they're actually my career. But, you know, at the end of the day, I don't really care. I want, I want you to make some big, massive psychological changes and, 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 and let's see what happens from there. Yeah. Amazing. I'm so grateful that you're willing to talk about this and I appreciate so much that you really like dive into the psychology behind it. And it's so important. And I just feel like not enough people are, are doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I just, I'm excited for people to hear this, um, and get this out to, you know, a different demographic. So just, yeah, definitely. So thank you so much for coming on today. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, It was my pleasure. I hope we help some people. You absolutely will. Okay. There you have it. A lot of, a lot of things to think about from that episode. 
I think it's such an important conversation to be had about our mindsets and you know he people aren't talking about the psychology behind this enough um and I just think that everything that Jason has to contribute and everything he has to say is so important. You guys really, really need to go online and download Body Beliefs. It's an incredible read. Just read it. You have nothing to lose. I think it's amazing that he made it free. Wow. Cool. Thank you. Thank you so much. And take advantage of that. Read it now. Let's be smarter. Let's change the way we think about ourselves and our bodies and our goals. And let's pursue actual health and like come from a place of love, not hate and not abusing ourselves. Right. Yeah. So he's awesome. I'm so excited that he was on the show. I hope you guys really liked that and got a lot of value out of that. I think that was extremely valuable. And I would love to hear your thoughts, your comments, your perspective, you should join the Actually Adultish podcast Facebook group if you haven't already where we talk to each other about things. It's our little community. If you liked this, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes and Stitcher. That helps as well. And you can comment on what you thought. You can always email us at actuallyadultish at gmail.com. You can comment on Instagram, you know, all of those things. You can reach out to me. My handle is at addicted underscore to underscore lovely. That's me on the gram. But I think I'm going to put the gram away for a few days after after these past few chats I've had with some very smart people. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the show and I hope you tune in again next week. Bye.